What's going on, my friends, business owners, entrepreneurs, and those side hustlers out there. We've got a special guest for you today. Again, the purpose of this podcast is to help you to join the Seven Figures Club. Only 5% of businesses generate seven figures per year in sales and income. And we've got an expert here in a very unique part of the uh, tech world that's very important. Obviously, a lot of you are, are busy building out uh, apps and, and user experiences. Today, our special guest is Satyam uh, Kantamini. And Satyam is a very unique entrepreneur. He's the CEO, actually CEO, Chief Experience Officer, if you will, of UX Reactor. Uh, in less than seven years, UX Reactor has become the fastest growing specialized experience design firm in the US with a team of 50 plus employees spread out over three continents. Now, prior to founding UX Reactor, Satyam uh, led various in-house design organizations such as Citrix and PayPal. He also is an alumnus of Harvard Business School. While at Harvard, Satyam realized that most businesses aren't leveraging the full power of user experience design as an engine for strategic growth. So he resolved to change that. And through UX Reactor, Satyam demonstrated that UX can and should drive enterprise-wide innovation and business outcomes. UX Reactor has enabled its client partners to generate hundreds of millions in additional revenue from user-centered innovation. He is passionate about user-centered innovation, and he also authored a book titled User Experience Playbook, a practical uh, guide to fuel business growth, which will be released in April of 2022. Well, Satyam, welcome to the podcast. There are over 32 million businesses in the U.S. and over 90% of them will never break seven figures in annual sales. So how do we as entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs break into that seven figures club? This podcast will relentlessly share the secrets, strategies, and tactics I've used to create three multi-seven figures businesses and bring in even more successful entrepreneurs than me to share their inspirational stories and tactics to success. You can create your dream business in life right now. So buckle up and let's go. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, we're very excited to learn with someone so connected. You know, obviously, technology companies are so vital and so important and create valuations and growth, even though, you know, obviously, uh, some will say that uh, right now uh, tech companies are, are seeing valuations uh, decrease. But most companies are as, as part of that. But tech companies are more valuable than almost every other you know, industry type out there in the world today. And technology is where growth is going to be coming from. So that said, technology growth comes back to applications. And these applications have to have a great user experience. So we're very excited to talk about that today. Before we dive into that topic of expertise, we'd love to find out more about what makes great entrepreneurs like yourself tick. Tell us if you would, a few maybe uh, key experiences or something in your upbringing that you feel led you to entrepreneurship. <laughs> uh, I come from a military family. Uh, so uh, wow. very disciplined. Uh, and I think there's a sense in military, uh, which is, you know, you make what you make with the resources you have mm. and you solve the problem in hand. Uh, and no excuses, right? So I think that that is, in Love a it. sense, a very 
uh, an ingrained model. And I actually wanted to be an officer in the in the Indian Army, actually, to be precise. Wow. Uh, the reason I didn't get selected was because I was colorblind. So I decided that. So medically unfit. Well, you and I share the same problem. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That makes two of us. Uh, but the ethos has been very strong. And uh, and for me, the entrepreneurial journey is, is actually a solving a problem uh, and or maybe solving yes. a frustration in, in a larger level because I spent about 10 years, a decade, uh, feeling that I didn't achieve much uh, in terms of impact. Uh, was in good places, good titles, good money, but really not much impact. Uh, and uh, and that was the basic uh, call to action to say, what do I want to do with it? And I think the ethos of saying that, you know, if you don't, then something, you know, no one will. And uh, that was basically the start of the of the entrepreneurial side of it. Mm. Again, living in the valley uh, uh, because I live in the San Francisco Bay Area, uh, it just seems like you know entrepreneurship is so well tolerated uh, that you know it, it was a matter of like it uh, like everyone's trying to do something, everyone's trying to change the world. Uh, so my it wasn't too hard to make that shift, and I'm so glad I made that shift eight years back. Unfortunately, uh, with my co-founder uh, who also is my brother. Uh, so kept the ethos pretty uh, consistent. Oh, that that's awesome! What a, what a great. So at some point you're like, hey, I'm I'm in this tech world. I'm in a great opportunity. Life is is going well, but you wanted more. You wanted an impact, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs for us, we we want a couple things. We 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 want freedom, and entrepreneurship gives you that opportunity to a certain extent, and we want impact because all the money in the world doesn't replace the positive impact that you can make as an entrepreneur. And that's what's so, so impactful and valuable. And so what led you to, you know, actually say, okay, this problem of user experience needs to be solved. I'm the one to do it. How did that come about where you actually took the plunge, took the risk and went full in to launching, you know, what became UX Reactor? So I probably will take a step back, right? And I think that the, the thing to take a step back is the word user experience design is a very consciously constructed word, uh, mm -hmm. in which case the user comes before the experience, comes before the design. Unfortunately, 99% of the companies focus on the design before the experience, before the user. Uh, and that was what I did for 10 years. I was focused too much on the design, focused on organizations wanted designs, screens, apps, applications, without truly understanding who the user is, what the experience is. And the, some of the best experiences is with zero screens. And so the word design actually convoluted it too fast. Uh, so for me, the frustration was like, hey, uh, there's something is going wrong. It's not multiplying business value at the level it should. At the same time, you have companies like Apple and Tesla and Airbnb coming out with design-first technology. They're doing really well. But then and many organizations and leadership started investing in design. Uh, but the fact is they were not getting the value. And there's still many organizations struggle with that. And for me as a leader driving this in, in companies, I had to figure out what is it that I'm doing wrong or what is it that I'm not doing so right? Uh, and uh, that basically became the call to action to say, let's go and figure out how can we build the best user experience design in a way that it multiplies business value. And that, when you start looking at that, that basically ended up, okay, let's go look at building a firm, experimenting. I think UX Reactor for me was never to build an agency. That was never the intent. Uh, for me, it was always the first experiment and the biggest experiment in my life to say, how can we go solve this problem 
And I, if it died in two years, I was fine with it. But then the fact is it's surviving and, and thriving, uh, partially because I think uh, we realize that the user comes before the experience, comes before the design, and design comes before technology, which is a sequence that many leaders don't understand. And because they don't invest it in that way, they basically always lose uh, a lot of money. Mm-hmm. That's brilliant. A lot of value bombs. The same just dropped for everybody. So pay attention. He's talking about, and this is with whatever business you're in, you focus on serving the customer and solving their needs first before creating the product, before creating you know, the design, everything that goes with that. Now, one thing you talk a lot about with your team is the importance of being user-centric, right? User-centric. So how can a company become user-centric, you know, if they aren't or if they already kind of built a product or they've got some design ideas, like like how does this process, what's worked well um, as as someone wants to transition to be uh, customer and user-centric, which is such an important thing? So Leo, I think it's uh, so this is this is one of the biggest myths that I deal with in my line of work. Uh, everybody says they're user centric, but no one is. Uh, oh, very, very, that's very a problem, <laughs> right? And and I'll tell you how, right? So uh, I've had a CEO tell me this: say that hey, I'm user centric because I give every user what they want. Uh, but the reality is, you you build a product for everyone. You're building a product for no one. Uh, exactly. So that's that's the un- unfortunate realization. So you fa- pack it up with features. Your biggest customers get features. Your long tail gets features. Any sale gets a feature, and then you actually have a feature-rich product that is doing nothing for anyone. Uh, so that's one example. The, what exactly? Now to answer your other question of what makes a company user-centric, it's a mindset. Now the point is, especially today, when we have leaders and organizations distributed, people working from anywhere. Do they understand the user the same way as everyone else or they should, right? You have a developer sitting halfway around the world, not understanding how healthcare systems work or not understanding how fintech systems work on the other side of the world. Now, how are they coding it? They're coding to a spec, in which case they are just basically taking the smarts out and they're just coding to that. So that's, again, where they're not user-centric. Product managers are talking to users and saying, hey, what do you want? And that's not user-centric. That is just basically being, so the factor is how do you build the empathy in your organization? How do you innovate around that? How can your finance guy come in and give an idea too in the product ideation because they are as empathetic to the problem as the, the designer is? These are nuances that are getting missed. And unfortunately, because of which, most times user-centric is like, I speak to users, and I give users what they want, I'm user-centric, which is actually the wrong measure to start with. The right measure is that we know who the user is, we know what their pain points are, we know what the journey is, and all of us together are solving it. It's kind of like the old adage, if I'm marketing to everybody, I'm actually marketing to nobody. And it's the same thing with having a great user-centric experience. You know who your user is, and it's custom put together for that dream avatar, that dream client, that dream user who's using it. So it's super important to understand that. What are some of the steps that that companies can take or entrepreneurs can take to really get to know their user better and and create that experience for them? So I think a lot of times is just spending the time with them, right? So now what's unfortunate is 40% of the products today and features today are still shipped without speaking to one user, right? Oh, so that's, that's, that's the nature. And then yeah. why do we have 40% of the products fail of new features and startups fail because of product market fit. 
Now, these are symptoms of you not knowing who your customer is, not knowing what what your pain, what their pain points are, not giving them what the what they need and what they when they need it. And that's exactly the symptoms that they have. Now, how do you actually resolve this? You resolve this by truly understanding who they are, knowing who your customers are. Like I, I've had leaders who I've spoken to, and this is again, anyone who's listening here, it's a test for themselves. Like, can you identify your top five users? Identify the top five issues for them and identify the measures that you know that you're going to deliver for them in the next one year. And if you mm. can't do that, that means you do, you're not user-centric. You basically are going to ramble off a little bit of here, here. And this is unfortunately what's happening across the industry and especially in digital products because digital products yeah. is like very much like put a feature out there and then move on to the next one. Companies are not even instrumented to know exactly what, what the users are doing. So there's a lot of this... I would say uh, digitally transformed, but experientially painful experiences out there. And that's kind of causing a lot of churn because you really don't know who your user is, what mm. their pain points are, what their journey is, what am I doing for them, what the measure of success is. It's a very strong rigor and, and mindset that needs to go along. And unfortunately, trillions of dollars are being pasted on the garb of digital transformation without doing this. And that is why I've, I've seen so many people like, and there's a great case study in NHS. They spend, I think, close to $12 billion only to kind of kill the project because they just were doing, everybody is trying to do something for someone, but nothing actually happened. And then they kill the project. And that's just daily happening within the corporate world uh, and startup world. I mean, that's just crazy. I think the statistic that you, that really got my attention that you just shared is 40% of these uh, products and apps uh, are built out without even, you know, figuring out who your user is, you know, what the, how you're specifically solving the problem. You, they're just being built and thrust out into the marketplace and, and, and just a lot of wasted money. So for the audience listening and the entrepreneur listening who realizes they need to have a great application, if they aren't creating recurring revenue and subscription models through software and application, they're not going to build nearly as valuable companies. So they need to be moving towards that. They understand that. And now they're trying to understand this world that you're talking about. And there's terms like UI, UX, and XT. Please help us kind of define these terms and, and have an understanding of where they fit in the process of building out software and an application and delivering value to your customer. Absolutely. So I think that there's a lot of uh, abbreviations that get thrown around in this line of work, yeah. uh, but I'll, I'll kind of break it up and unpack it in three levels. It's called a UI level, a PX level, and an XT level. And all together, it's user experience. When In order to build a great experience, you can build it on a screen level, which is UI, user interface. You can build it on a platform or a product level, which is a product experience, or you can build it on an organization level, which is experience transformation. Now, I'll just give you, unpack that a little further, because a lot of times people angle and, and the design means that getting into the screens, I'm going to build a beautiful app, I'm going to build a great dashboard, I'm going to build uh, an awesome, uh, you know, uh, uh, onboarding, whatever that is, but that is foundationally a UI level problem and, and screens, colors, alignment, and this is all important, but not before the experience itself. Like how is someone looking at that experience in the product and the platform when they actually are logging in through a mobile screen, when they're logging in, observing. So how does that whole system play together to kind of achieve for, uh, achieve that uh, intent and outcome for them? That's the product experience. And I would say that a majority, 50% of the companies are in the UI, 
uh, about 20 to 25% are in the PX level and less than 5% are in the uh, XT level where the whole organization is energized around the users, innovating around them, ideating around them, tracking and experimenting around them. And then everyone is kind of getting there to kind of make sure that they're building the best experience for every aspect of the, every aspect of the business is driving the best experience. And that's XT. All together is still user experience. And that's kind of how I would unpack that. I also unpack mm -hmm. that in the book. Uh, but overall, as I said, majority of the companies are focused on the UI side and the design side, in which case they're not getting the value because that's the most easy to copy because your competitor can do that. Someone else can do that. But then if you're starting to play in the PX and the XT level, you kind of are building a moat that will survive a decade and more. Mm. No, no question. No question. Now, obviously, as you're going through and you're understanding these terms and, and you're building out that customer experience, that there's generally a team, there's there's a leader there trying to help that team. So how can that leader kind of nurture innovation in their team and get their team thinking more about this user experience and becoming user-centric? What, what does that look like in addition to mindset? What are some of the specifics that leaders should, should actually do to kind of you know, create innovative solutions for the, that their team are implementing, that their team are creating? I think there's a lot to do. This is a this is a profession. This is not a skill. Yeah, and that's the unfortunate part mm -hmm. that many leaders treat this as a skill. And tech marketing is a profession. Engineering is a profession. There's a lot of different things that come to them. Being a doctor is a profession. User experience is also a profession. Uh, and for that, you need a leader, just like a chief marketing officer. You need a chief experience officer. What mm -hmm. are you doing? You're kind of measuring. You are curating. You are tracking. You are. Uh, triggering there's a lot of things that this leader is doing now i'll can unpack that further do you know what your measure top measure for each of your users are what are the biggest pain points are you measuring them that's the measure part do you know what the top users are in their journey and defining how am i going to remove the pain point for every aspect for that and have a roadmap for every user in the system everyone has a marketing roadmap everyone has a product roadmap but do you have a roadmap for your key users and say i am going to wow them this is how i'm going to wow mm. them in the next one year five year that's again a chief experience officer's role getting the right team of people researchers designers uh prototypers strategists together and then kind of run that across the company that's kind of again chief uh, a role a part of that role there's a lot of these things that need to activate now for a ceo unfortunately like how do you get like you call customer service or you call professional services or you do self-service in your product, they all have to be the same experience. They have to seem like the same way. It can't be like I call customer service, I get a different experience versus I kind of do self-service, which is the, and that means I have to get different departments coming together, which is how I need to now have a, a, a collective roadmap that I'm driving across the company. So these are all key things that, as that's why I say it's a profession. There are a lot of artifacts, a lot of tools, the whole organization needs to be activated around it. And that's truly when you are able to kind of un unleash the power of, you know, user-centeredness to kind of drive your business value. Well said, Be beautiful value bomb shared there. I guess my next question would be, all right, so I I've got this, uh, this app, I've got this customer experience, I've been building out the roadmap on our end. I just, if, if you imagine a new user coming into your world, using you know your application software dashboard and they get there what are some of the successful strategies that you like to 
you know, suggest your clients take a look at in terms of having, uh, you know, once you're in, what's the roadmap? Even, even though you know your customer, hopefully you've really spoken to them. How do you make it a seamless experience for them to get to know the application and the benefits available in there? What are some of the successful strategies you recommend uh, be considered in that situation for the new user? They just arrived. What should, what should they be seeing, you know, to, to utilize everything within the application? So I think it's like having a new guest in your home or a hotel. You kind yes. of walk them in. You kind of describe how the hotel is structured, where the, the breakfast is, where the food is, uh, yeah. where the swimming pool is. You kind of tell them they need a wake-up call. The same thing applies here. I mean, you kind of onboard them cleanly. You bring them in. You kind of say, what's your first time to value? And what is value for them? If you don't know that, then you need to kind of learn that. Give them that single thing. As If, they, if you think they're just caught of a flight, you give them a drink. Knowing who your customer is, giving them what they need and when they want it is actually the, the secret of user experience. And then doing it consistently is kind of what will get them to keep keep them retained and keep them you know, going. And that, that essence is what you're trying to do, especially with technology. There's so many more techniques and methods available within the, te- the, the technology has become so much more powerful that, you know, again, if I'm struggling with something immediately, if someone jumps in right there, instead of me trying to find a customer service number and then calling somebody and then trying to figure that out and waiting on a call, there's all nuances that go into it, depending on each system and product has its own uh, journey. Yeah, no, no question. Okay, so your new user comes in, you're showing them where everything is, how it works, where it's at, the, you know, like they're arriving in a hotel room. Do you, and, and I'm sure there's, there's a different answer based on, you know, different application types and your user, but just kind of broadly, generically speaking, do you like that to be a video or is it text and images that kind of pop up? Um, when they first uh, get into the application, uh, whether it's desktop or mobile, what what do you kind of see the trends of success going? Is it is it either or? What what do you think, video or text, uh, an image once you get in? So Leo, uh, I think the answer is whatever uh, works for them, right? So I'll, I'll yeah. share that on it because if you are uh, working in a system that you're working with a user group that is younger, obviously yeah. they are much more. Uh, video centric. You're working with a user yes. group that's older. You kind of are trying to give them more methods and tools and cheat sheets. Uh, a doctor would have a different construct. So again, knowing your user will define how you're designing that on a UI level. However, I'll give you some other scenarios that on an experience level, the PX level, where companies kind of also struggle. Like as soon as I, let's say I'm moving to Google, I'm giving you an example. I just moved yeah. from uh, Teams, uh, Microsoft Teams to Google. How do I bring my uh, contacts here? How do I bring my calendar here? Yeah. How do I, these are yeah. all elements of first-time experience. Oh, yeah. I mean, how do I bring my whole setup here? Because And those are structurally experienced problems that are not being really figured out. And like, oh, okay, now I had to integrate. I'm not, at Google, we actually had to migrate uh, our accounts from one setup to another. It was painful enough that we had to bring third-party integrations. So finally we said, screw it. We don't want, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay where we are staying. And, but that's also the yeah. first time experience. So I think there's a lot of this UI level fixes for that. I mean, there is text, there is coach marks, there is yeah. uh, videos, there is community there is uh, cheat sheets. There's so many ways that you can approach that. And it could be an experimental way of trying which one works for whom. And then on an experience level, understanding what is it mean for them to be situated? What does it mean for them to kind of have 
first time value generated and this is again it's a very uh, multivariate problem uh, i don't think there's a straightforward answer to saying how do you do that for, for sure and then and then what about uh, user experience and support within that um, what are what are some of the uh, ideas or things that should be considered to make the support when your user runs into some sort of wall what is what are some seamless um, solutions there in terms of providing great support within the app. I mean, obviously, when you're talking about an app, it, it can't be, for the most part, I would say, uh, phone support service, obviously, anymore. So so what are you seeing as, as some successful ways to provide support within that experience? So I think, again, on a UI level, you're seeing conversational AI come in, you're seeing... Yeah. Uh, embedded IVRs. So immediately you kind of talk to somebody in the context of where you are and they know where you are. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of these. And then again, you have this call somebody, email someone, which is kind of becoming less and less. But on an experience level, can you even, uh, my question would be, can you avoid the problem? There's a whole school of design called defensive design. Yes, there right? is. So which, as we as designers are constantly looking at, we assume that every step will fail. How do we protect them from that? Right? And how do we protect them from the, the entry level to kind of getting there? And these are all situational things that you have to really design. Uh, and that's what designers, as I say, it's a profession that you actually have people constantly looking at, how do I avoid this? If this is coming, then I can project that they're going to fail. So how do I get there? Because of the worst case is where I'm trying to do something I'm not understanding. I'm trying to find something I'm not able to find something. So is it a findability issue? Is it a usability issue? So if you know that you can really treat it on a PX level, and ideally you come, if the system is smart enough, the help will come to you, you don't go to help. Uh, and that is kind of, and how do you bring help to you? I mean, you can actually see that if an error comes in more than two times, you can actually say, I'm ready for you whenever you are, here's the button. And there's somebody ready for you, that made a function equivalent to that. So these are nuances that come in, come in. And when you build these systems, that's when experience kind of goes up and that's when you actually have higher retention. Absolutely. And speaking of higher retention and reducing that churn with your, your subs subscription-based you know, application software, whatever it is that's your product out there, a lot of the research uh, that I've read seems to indicate that whatever is done within that fir the first few days of that user coming in is really sets the stage for whether they're going to remain sticky and, and uh, have a higher lifetime value. What are some different... Um, you know, ideas or, or solutions you've seen done within the first um, few days or hours or whatever it is to really cement that user relationship with that new uh, application product. What are some ideas that you've seen be successful in creating that sticky relationship right at the get-go? So I'll share a couple of points there, right? The first one I'll say is, I'll share is, uh you need to know what value you're generating. If you don't know that, then it, so we, we use the word time to value. For that particular user, if you do not understand who the, what the value is that we're trying to generate, then we are kind of going blind. But once you know what the value is, that this, why, this, why did this user even come into our system? And there could be different things. It could be uh, accountant looking for all their reports in one place and, all, and starting to look at the first report. Uh, it could be different angles. Now, once you know that, the fastest I can get you to that is basically my whole and sole goal. Many companies lose 
uh, the focus there. They're demoing it really well. They're selling it awesome, but then the users kind of now start to kind of figuring out how do we get that beautiful report? That's kind of one key aspect that I'll share there. The other thing which is interesting is uh, to the point of uh, when you get users coming into a system, we need to make sure that they always uh, get what they need in the context of what they get, what where they are. A lot of times the systems are built uh, as a generic system where you can get anything from when you need it. But I think we need to build it in the context of who they are, where they are, that ele element of personalization needs to also come in. And these are things that are not happening in, as cleanly because most times you are just building a, a one size fits all. Really, really well said there. So why is experience transformation, XT, if you will, kind of the next frontier of digital transformation, you know, in, in as you've been building this out and realizing how important and, and how many opportunities are missed, what, what's making it such a, a big part of the next frontier, the next stage and evolution of digital transformation? Because there's an interesting paradox out there, right? The paradox is it's, there are a lot more digitally transformed systems that are experientially painful. And I can give you a gazillion example. You're looking at, let's talk about education, right? Right now, education is uh, a different system for assessment, a different system for curriculum, a different system for payment. And when you look at this, and especially in the pandemic, everything went digital. So it's all digitally yes. transformed. A lot of tools have been brought together, but experientially painful. There's no single place where you could look at everything together. The same thing is when you go to an automotive store or you go to a hospital, they are digitally transformed. So if you uh, just to give you a statistic, a typical hospital or a healthcare center is a hodgepodge of at least about a dozen different systems and close to about 10 to 15 logins. So now think about it. Right. Like there's a one for pharmacy, one for EHR. Now yes. these, are, these are all digitally transformed, experientially painful. Now the yes. best part is the company and the system that realizes this and starts bringing them together. That is yes. where the value is. We did that with one company in automotive retail. In five years, they valued at three and a half billion. And then oh, they grew 300% wow. year over year last year. So brilliant. And, 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 and this is kind of actually something we've been We've been working at too. We serve kind of small business owners and, and entrepreneurs, and so we've been. Uh, one of the questions we always get from our clients is, as they go through financing and and um, use our marketplace, is, oh, I've got to log into you know ten different uh, you know logins for bank account, for loans, for lines of credit, for business credit cards. Why can't I just have it in one place? And so that's exactly what uh, what we've just been working on launching is one place where they can see all of that financial information in one place, track it, track their net worth. So I think it, it's a really good point that you're making of, of bringing things together. Now, I'm curious, in your experience, what percent of companies are truly user-centric, would you say? <laughs> I think a lot of companies are, a lot of leaders will say, including people in the audience would say they're user-centric. So I would say that percentage right. is high. Are they experience-centric or experientially transformed? I think that's less than 5%. So, oh, my goodness. Uh, so I think that is where, that's the reason why many companies are not able to kind of drive that insane value for the business. Honestly, to get to seven figures in the context of this podcast is not too hard if you know who your user is because there's just so much money moving around in the world. Uh, but the challenge is, as you said, I mean, I think in one of your podcasts that, you know, 80% of the companies fail. Uh, they never reach that number. Yes. And the answer yes. is, I think if you know your user, you're giving them what they are, you're doing it in a nimble and agile manner, 
I mean, it's 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 doable. But the factor is most times people don't get there and they don't have the right product for them. Uh, but user centricity is a mindset across the organization. It's just not the founder's mindset. That's another big problem that we see that the founders not, cannot be everywhere. But how do you build an ecosystem and environment for everyone to thrive in user centricity? The way we define it and the way you kind of... Uh, uh, build a program around that, that everyone is activated, everyone is measured on it, everyone is tracking on it, and more importantly, incentivized on it. That's kind of what would be. So that, that is less than 5%. Unbelievable. So uh, a lot of our audience right now, they're, they're driving, they're working out, they're listening, and they're thinking, wow, this is some unbelievable information. And as, as everybody knows in this podcast, we don't want you to be a passive listener, just listening and, and learning great information, receiving these value bombs from Satyam. We want you to take action and move forward to solutions with your business so you can become user-centric and, and be one of the hopefully 5% of businesses that are creating an experience for their customer you know, through your product and your application. So where is the best place for them to take the next step and, and say, wow, I can try and figure this out on my own, or I could work with an expert like Satyam and his team. What's the next step that they can take to connect with you and your team and kind of, you know, figure out some different strategies to be one of the 5% of companies that is customer and experience centric? Uh, Leo, I think if uh, people want to get a sense of what it entails, what is the, what does the system take? Uh, I think the best way to start is like probably getting a copy of the book that we just put together with a lot of our techniques. Uh, the book uh, is on Amazon and other places. Uh, and uh, it's that's a great place to start if they want to do it themselves and get sensitized by themselves. If they want to kind of reach out to for us to help them or uh, support them in their journey, then you know it, the best is to kind of reach out to me on LinkedIn or hello at uxreactor.com. Uh, so again, uh, we are here to support people. I really believe that uh, experiences are the next frontier uh, for digital systems. And I think uh, they can do it themselves. We can do it for them. There's a lot of ways to do that. But more importantly, get sensitized to that is the first way of solving this problem. No question. Can you show the book uh, again just one more time? I want to make sure that everybody listening knows. Okay, the name of the book, you guys, is User Experience Design. So user experience design by Satyam, it's on Amazon. It's pretty simple, user experience design, right? So just uh, just Google user experience design or go to Amazon and type in user experience design. Start with the book. It's going to give you the right mindset, case studies, so that you can start to figure out better ways to be you know, user-centric and create a, a, an experience that, that transforms your business. I mean, the, the experience, you think about the great companies that you love to do business with, there's an experience. It's Apple's an experience. You open up that box, you know, you, you pull out that, that beautiful, beautiful phone or that laptop or the, the AirPods and, and starting to think of once they get into your application, what's that experience like and how are you making their problems solved quickly. Well, Satyam, really appreciate uh, your time and your expertise. Again, guys, make sure you grab that book, take action. His website also is uxreactor.com, uxreactor.com, if you want to learn more information about his team and the magic they can create in the user experience department. Well, Satyam, the last uh, word is yours. What is something, you know, besides getting your book that they can do today to start being more user and experience centric? I think as they should just identify the top users, identify and sketch out the quick 
quickly their journey. If they're not able to do that, that itself is an insight that you don't know much. If you know it, then write it down and say, what is the measure that you're going to move for every user a year from now? Beautiful. Take action, guys. Implement in this business and make 2022 your breakthrough year. Doesn't matter if there's inflation, doesn't matter if there's a recession. Those who create great user experiences are going to win and they're going to take even more market share during the next few months. Thank you for being a guest, Satyam. Thank Guys, you. take action and we'll see you next time on the Seven Figures Club podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Are you looking for more seven-figure secrets, content, or even how you can launch your own recession-proof business? Then check out sevenfigures.com. That's the digit seven, F-I-G-U-R-E-S.com, where we share more videos, stories, strategies, funding solutions, entrepreneurial education, and even the secret business type that's recession-proof. Thank you for listening, and if you're finding value in our podcast, please give us a five-star and invite others to join the club.